0: Welcome to the Roboticist Chronicles, an ARC Specialties podcast, where we get into the nuts and bolts of robots, automation, and the implications of an evolving machine workforce. Hello, this is Dan Alford with ARC Specialties and the Roboticist Chronicles. We have an interesting guest today, Trey Parrish. I'd like to have him on today because he works in a similar but different world. Normally, I'm supposed to do the introduction for an individual, but in this case, we have a subject matter expert, Trey Parrish himself. So Trey, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. My name's Trey Parrish. Um, been around the, the welding industry here for 20 plus years now, I guess. But you know, you and I have kind of crossed paths and bumped into each other in a lot of functions, and I'm, I'm real excited now that we have an opportunity to work together.
0: Well, great. Let's go back to
1: how we met. Here, here's my version of it. You you can correct me. Uh, there was
0: a com- company out in California and uh, having a few problems, and I was asked to help with the turnaround. I flew out there because I had a lot of respect for the company. I wanted to see it remain viable, and uh, and I think we succeeded. Right? You were working there, but I think we succeeded because they ended up getting sold, and they're still a viable business. So, so that's my version. Am I close?
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's how we got to know each other, I would say. I actually met you once before then at, a, uh, you were a speaker at Fabtech, I want to say 2012 or something like that back then, and it was a brief introduction, but for sure when I got to know you was when we were working together doing the turnaround, and and you were a big help to us, and gave us some office space, and helped us get going in Texas, and um, that's kind of how we started.
0: Yeah, that, that worked out pretty well for everybody, I think, you know, and you know uh what do we call it cooperation you know it's uh we're all in this together here in america and that's why although the company we were helping with was you know in some ways competition uh you know we, we were able to cooperate a bit and and it worked out well for everybody
1: yeah i believe that this this industry like a lot of others is very relationship based and you know we all have our little niches and we all have our, our things that we're good at but it's our ability to work together that makes us all profitable.
0: Indeed. All right. So uh, the reason we're chatting today is because you got, you got a new, new venture, right? And you're, and you're calling it bird dog. Let's start with the name is, is bird dog, like a hunting
1: dog. Is that a radar detector or is that a persistent person or, or what do you mean by bird dog? <laughs> sure. So, you know, bird dog means a couple of things to me, actually you know, I had that as a nickname at one point in time, people would call me bird dog, but it stems from my passion or hobby, if you will, is upland hunting. So training bird dogs, working with bird dogs and and doing upland hunting is a, a big hobby of mine. And so I wanted to incorporate that into this. And and the way it, it kind of came about was, you know, I have one specific dog that's kind of been with me for eight years now, and he's my go-to guy. And, um, you know, twice in the eight years i've had him i called him a liar where he was on point and i couldn't find the bird I didn't believe there was a bird but both times he proved me wrong and there was a bird there and just thinking about that you know bird dog to me means to engage in the relentless pursuit of an objective or a goal um you know when that dog's in the field he's in his element he's doing his thing and i have to trust that he knows what he's doing I want my customers to have that same faith in me to go out and find solutions for them.
0: Well, that makes sense. Well, you know, uh, you and I are both dog people. You know, the the corporate dog here is a German Shepherd. She uh, she's, she spends a couple of days each month up here. So, what, what what is the old saying? You should try to be half as good a person as your dog
1: thinks you are. You do. I have. I actually have a a sign on the wall in my office that says, "Be the person that your dog thinks you are." Indeed.
0: Indeed. So now we know the name. Got it. Uh, What's what's your business model? How how are you going to go to market? What are you going to sell? Who are you going to sell to? Explain this to me.
1: Sure. So my my background has always revolved around customer experience. Um, You know, I'm a business development guy by nature. Um, You know, business development goes far beyond buying a customer dinner and telling them how much you love them there there's a relationship that has to be there in helping them understand their own application sometimes but more than that helping them find the right equipment to fit their needs so i I've, I've never been one for being strapped to a standard product line i don't want to have to force a standard product down a customer's throat when their application may need a little bit of tweaking or it may need some customization and in many cases, it's a complete clean sheet design from beginning to the end. So the um, you know my goal in this is to be able to bring solutions to my customer that are backed by engineering-based companies, and that's what led me to ARC Specialties. I've always valued the business that you have, Dan, and the, the team that you have surrounding you there that can support customization and understands customers' applications and how to get them the tools that they need to be successful.
0: Well, I'm, I'm, we're flattered and honored that you that you trust us and, and want to involve us. You know, for a long time, I thought our worlds were extremely different. You know, most most of my robots are are bolted to the floor in a factory, and you got to bring the parts to them. And then in your world, you seem to take your machines out into the field and then uh, make them work. And so, I, you know, we'll talk about how they're starting to overlap, but. Uh, that, that's kind of been the difference for, between us in the past. So although we were competing, we never really ran into each other too much. Yet, yeah. Yet my,
1: most of my background has been in portable automation. So the field service companies, the guys that are going out in the field and doing this work in the field that need the tools to to go to where the work is needing to be done, where you know historically, I think you had been more in the automation of the factory side where the parts are coming into the shop, they're getting refurbished or they're getting welded or whatever's getting done and then they're going back out into the field. So that's always kind of been a distinct line between my playground and yours. But as you mentioned, those lines have become more and more blurred now that we're seeing robots in the field. We're seeing more automation in the field than we've ever seen before. And it's, it's opened up you know endless possibilities for how we improve manufacturing in the US.
0: Well, that's exactly what we found. Is you know, more and more, we're finding that you know, if we do have to go to the field, it, it's more cost effective for us to use a pre-built six-axis robot than than to design a, a custom piece of machinery. My probably my first robot I, I put out in the field was cutting holes, and this was in a forty-foot diameter vessel, three-inch thick. Obviously, you couldn't bring that vessel into into a factory, so we needed to do the cutting, and then. All the all the standard old school portable cutting technology would not allow them to do this. It's a long story, but it worked real well. We ended up selling holes for two hundred dollars a piece, but but that was still kind of unusual, you know, back fifteen years ago. But but I'm with you. More and more, we're seeing that uh, we got to take the robot to the problem. In fact, if you go back all the way to the very first one that I did, uh, it was a hot tap up in Idaho. And, uh, you know, the company I was helping you with on the turnaround was actually the competitor. And so uh, unfortunately, that company had a a limited ability to to handle the rise fall of a saddle joint. And and so uh, in that case, it made more sense for me to design and build a custom piece of machinery to handle that rise fall. And uh, put you guys out of work on that one back in 83 so yeah th- there's always been overlap between us
1: yeah and I think you know we'll continue to run into those applications and that's where you and I can decide what the best avenue is to to fill the customers needs again my you know my main role or goal in this whole thing is that the customer experience be one that they're satisfied in the end and they come back for more assistance in the future and and to do that you've got to be able to Pull the tools that the customer needs. You've got to maintain their needs, and then the the follow-on support and making sure that they continue to be successful with the tools that you've provided them.
0: But just to be clear, we're just adding to your line sheet, right? You're you're still going to be uh, you still have all your contacts on the uh, the uh, field type automation, both cutting, welding, grinding, and and then that's you're right.
1: Gonna... So so yeah, I I you know I have machining tools that I. I represent for doing portable machine tools in the field and then for portable welding equipment, still the encompass guys, I still work with them on some of their applications. Um, so, you know, this really is allowing me more opportunities to provide my customers with the the tools that they need.
0: Right. You know, don't walk away from a job until we both talk about it. That, that, that's what I hope you do. So, you know, my world has is, is always been oil gas, you know, I'm a Texas boy. So, you know, I've been here in Houston since 79 but to me, you know, what's been fun about the oil field is we've got some outrageous challenges. You know, we're working through two miles of water and four miles of rock. You know, it, it's tough to do. There's corrosion, pressure, temperature and all that. And this whole COVID thing uh, has a, has done a couple of things. It, it, it pretty much shut down the oil field. But it also showed us that we had the ability to take these solutions that we developed for these extreme environments and then apply them to uh, other challenges in other industries. And so I guess that's what I'm hoping you'll bring to the table. Also is because, you know, my world's oil field and your world is very different. So yeah. where, where, where are you
1: located and what do you do? So I'm in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Most of my background has been spent in power generation and then Navy shipbuilding. So, uh, you know, any power plant build services type of applications, and then you know, there's all sorts of things that go into shipbuilding.
0: Yeah, well, it's uh, we've got a job right now where uh, the robot's going to be uh, moving around inside a hull, so you know, it's that's that's not one of yours, but the, but it's it's a great example of us being able to take the technology we've developed with the adaptive control division systems, the data logging, all this mess. And, and apply it to something that, that won't fit in a factory because, you know, we haven't seen any factories big enough to put a ship in.
1: Sure. But no, I think that the industry is going to continue to demand more and more of that type of automation.
0: Hmm. And I'm working with uh, Sam Kaiser. We need to get him on, uh, on one of these podcasts. Uh, he, he's my go-to guy when it comes to nickel based alloys. He was telling an interesting story about the uh power generation industry you know and in an effort to reduce nox emissions they were changing some of their combustion temperatures which caused all sorts of new corrosion issues so you're not just solving old problems are you i mean there's new ones that are popping up every day even if it's as odd as uh in to in order to comply to epa standards
1: Even your cladding environments are changing as, you know, a lot of our gas stuff, they're going to start introducing hydrogen and other things, which is going to, you know, that's going to cause all of these valves and things are going to have to be cladded with Inconel before they go into the field. And so there's all, all sorts of things changing day to day in the industry that you have to keep your pulse on and you got to be ahead of it so that your customers are getting what they need.
0: Now, when I started building cladding machines in the 90s, I remember telling my guys on several occasions, well, you know, we have sold, you know, 50 of these machines or whatever. I said, we pretty much covered the demand and now we're over 500. So, you know, as people adopt these technologies, uh, you know, they find that they, they aren't as cumbersome as they initially thought. And they're actually essential for the long term uh, endurance of, of these valves and pipes and stuff. Where do you think we might fit in, in, in down in the southeast?
1: So I think there's lots of opportunities that, you know, are available in power gen in shipbuilding where a lot of this work's being done sub assemblies in factories now that are being done to ship out for final assembly in the yards and those types of things are definitely applications that we can pursue together. Um, But beyond that, you know, there's, there's all sorts of factory automation things that Arc brings to the table that hasn't historically been in my portfolio. So that's opening a lot of doors for me to go into these manufacturing facilities in my area and discuss, um, you know, material handling and, and robotic welding and things that normally I wouldn't have been involved in. Yeah,
0: well, we just got a job right in your backyard, uh, where we're applying the same technology we've been using for oil field valves for, you know, a couple, three decades to, to the, uh, nuclear power industry. And, uh, <laughs> I I think you know. Here's my assumption: is there's so much competition here in Houston that that it's forced the issue. Whereas nuclear power, you know, kind of had a a lull there for a few years, but I think it's coming back. And I was delighted to to get to assist in that industry, uh, you know, with some some of the technologies we've already developed over here. Uh, so I'm looking for those kinds of jobs too. Well, what do you think the future holds? I mean would you recommend a youngster get into manufacturing? I mean, about 10 years ago, I might not have, I'm, I'm a little more optimistic now. Uh, I don't know if you got a crystal ball there with you, but I'd like, I'd like to hear what you're thinking about the future.
1: I think we have to, I'm, I'm really pleased that a lot of the schools in our area are starting to involve courses like, you know, mechatronics and things of that nature to get these kids excited about automation and, and interested in automation. And then, you know, doesn't matter what kind of trade but trades in general welding fitting painting HVAC you know there there's such a high demand for skilled craft labor in the United States right now that we we've got to do more to get kids energized and excited about filling those roles and I'm I'm excited to see that you know schools are finally coming along and introducing those things
0: well, you hit on a point that I always focus on. You know, you can't automate welding if you can't weld. You can't automate surgery if you don't have. So uh, I'm with you. You, you got to learn the the base technology before you try to apply computers to it, because uh, people think that robots are easy, but you and, you and I know different. It's, it's tough working with something that has limited sensor systems compared to a human being. So you, you really got to understand the industry that you're working in. That's that's why I'm glad we got you on board. You kind of you bring a whole different skill set in. Uh, you know, we've been working down hole for all these years and you've been working in power plants.
1: Yeah. No, well, I'm excited. I think there's tons of opportunities out there and getting in front of folks and making them aware of what we have to offer and what we can do together, I think it'll be beneficial for both of us. The, you know, the sky's the limit, as they say. Um, but Finding the right applications to, to put us together and to get customers satisfied with their processes is super important.
0: A little off the subject, but you know, I'm still a big fan of trade shows. <laughs> they seem to work because I believe people need to see people eye to eye. And I think that when you're at a trade show, you got one problem that, that you're focusing on and, and, and I, they still work for me. Uh, I'm going to encourage you to come down to the offshore technology conference in the first of May down here in Houston, and maybe bring some of your clients with you because we're going to be demonstrating a couple of interesting new technologies down there. Do you, Do you have any
1: thoughts on how to go to market? Since that's what you and I are about to do. Sure. I you know I think that the whole COVID era changed a lot of things for a lot of people and forced people into you know working at home environments and Zoom meetings and all of those types of things, but. Our industry, Dan, I still feel is very relationship based. The the customers that I deal with want to look me in the eye, they want to shake my hand, they want to say hello. Um, it's it's more than just a quick Zoom meeting or emails. It's it, it goes deeper than that. And so I feel trade shows are still very vital to our to our industry. And then, you know, doing these podcasts and doing videos and promoting your material online is great, and I think it's necessary. But I don't think you can put a value on the hand-to-hand person-to-person contact that you get at trade shows.
0: I, I agree completely. We bought a, a $2 million machine. To me, that's a lot of money. And, and before we would even consider it, we sent the guys up uh, to the uh, international machine tool show. They got to kick the tires, look under the covers, meet the people. And, and, it, and it was based upon that, that, that we did our buying. And so I, I can't be the only one. Uh, so good. I'm glad you're on board with that. I agree. Excellent. So, Uh, what else you want to tell us today? You know, this, uh, in case anybody's uh, has any doubt, the whole point of this podcast was to introduce trade everybody and explain our new relationship and uh, kind of kickstart this whole process. But uh, here's your chance. What else you want to talk about?
1: No, I, I think our relationship will continue to define itself and grow as we go further, Dan. But, you know, again, my my goal is to be a resource for the customer. Let me do the hard work for you. Um, you know, bring me in, let me see your application, let me talk to you about what your needs are, and then let me go back and work with the team that I have to provide you with the solution that in the end you'll be satisfied with, it'll fulfill your needs, and it'll continue to support your operations for years to come.
0: And I think competition improves the breed. So you're you're actually going to be, each time you look at one of these projects, you're going to be looking at it through two sets of eyeballs, you know, your uh, traditional field stuff as well as my robots and then and it'll be our job to try to convince you to use more robots and and fewer of the other machines
1: sure in some ways but i you know i like to let the customer drive that and you know in the end they're the ones that we need to be satisfied so that they come back for more and um you know helping them understand what the differences are between the two and where each one you know best fits is you know when you and i will get involved and help steer them in that right direction
0: All right. So uh, I'm going to let you define your own territory. How how far away do you want people to
1: contact you? Um, You know, (laughs) it really doesn't matter. Most most of my time is spent on the East Coast, um, but I have relationships across the globe. So I'm not you know, I'm not confining myself to a certain territory. But um, but absolutely, the the East Coast specifically um, is where I spend the majority of my time.
0: Well, I bring that up because I know you're East Coast, but I met you on the West. So, yeah, but uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's a global economy. We're in 32 different countries, so I don't care where you work. It doesn't bother me at all. So, But so how is anybody going to get a hold of you? Give, go ahead and put, give us some information.
1: Sure. So, you know, the best and easiest way to get me is always on my cell phone. My cell phone number is 803-448-4510. Um, my email is Trey at BDindustrialSolutions.com. And then LinkedIn, I'm I'm a big fan of LinkedIn and use that as a tool every day in, in my life. And, you know, all my contact information's there, just sort, you know, Trey Parish on LinkedIn and Bird Dog Industrial, and you'll find everything you need to get to me.
0: Good deal. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming on board. I appreciate the vote of confidence that you wanted to come on board with us. And I'm pretty excited about the future because I, I love finding new problems, particularly when... Uh, they they look similar to our old problems, and so we can ap- apply some of our, you know, our proven solutions. Makes us look smart, and makes it a lot easier at the same
1: time. Yeah, uh, it's great when we can pull from past experiences and use those for new applications. Got anything else for us today? I think that's all I have on my end, Dan.
0: OK, well, I really appreciate you coming on board. I appreciate you coming on board with ARC specialties, too. So anybody that's listening to this podcast today, you're either uh, interested in ARC specialties, Trey Parrish, robots or something like that. And uh, and Johnny Tyler told me to send out a request. Uh, if, if you think that you might have some content or an interesting story that you would like to have on the ARC Specialties Roboticist Chronicles. Why don't you contact me through ARC Specialties and and we will talk. Until then, I look forward to building robots and I will see you soon.